Have you noticed all the gaming commercials filling the airwaves lately? There's a reason for that. Gaming is sweeping the nation. Everybody wants in on the action. So get your information from the people who planted the flag first. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of today's show, we're going to do a deep dive into NFL betting with my good friend Tony Finn from right here in Las Vegas. It's an all-Vegas Sunday show uh, with me and Tony. We're going to break down the games for this week. We're going to talk about some strategies for beating the NFL, talk about surprise teams good, different surprise teams bad, some of the quarterback changes, some of the stats we want to focus on at this time of the year as opposed to earlier in the season. Should be an interesting discussion with Tony Finn. But before we get into that, i got to talk about me. And I got my butt kicked in the NFL last week. And I got my butt kicked in the NFL the week before that. Two bad weeks in a row in the National Football League. I want to talk about that. First of all, I'm not, am I ashamed of it? No. Am I embarrassed of it? No. Am I don't want to talk about it on air? No, that's not the kind of handicapper I am. That's not the kind of show that I want. When I'm running good, you guys will know it. When I'm running bad in a particular sport, you guys will know that as well. Um, and the last two weeks in the NFL have been lousy. They haven't just been lousy for me. This month in October, there have been multiple betting weekends where... Betters have won and the books have lost. In fact, I think three in four October weekends so far. It's a five October weekend month this year. But of the first four October weekends, the books lost in the NFL as an aggregate in three of them. Certainly the books that that cater to recreational players, to public players, the wise guy books uh, might be a little different because the wise guys as a group have had a lousy October And this is not unique. It's not unusual. It happens. I'm not saying it's not unusual for me to have bad weekends. Sure, it's I don't have a ton of bad weekends, but they will inevitably happen. (laughs) All right? It's not unusual for that. Does it have to happen two in a row? Sometimes. You don't feel good about it. But (laughs) losing is a piece of the equation. If you don't know how to lose you're not going to be able to win because people start to do all kinds of things if they have a bad weekend. They do things like, let's up our wager sizes to get it all back as opposed to, gee, I'm not seeing things clearly right now. I better keep my wager sizes the same or maybe even decrease them a little bit until I'm seeing things better. That's something that the pro will do. The recreational better. Oh, no, i got to pay my man. Oh, no, I'm out. And there's a lot. You have your double or nothing on Sunday night football and your double or nothing on Monday night football. And your bet sizes go up when you're not seeing things clearly. That, my friends, is a recipe for disaster. All right, so you say, all right, the books have lost in recent weeks in the NFL. Teddy, you've lost in recent weeks in the NFL. Shouldn't I just be piling on the public sides right here? The public is getting the job done against the books right now. Well, if you asked me this question a month ago, the answer is yes. (laughs) However, now that we've been through this stretch, all right, all this is rearview mirror right now in terms of the betters 
beating the books on multiple NFL weekends here in October, and public betters doing very well. All that's rearview mirror. What we have to do is move, look forward. And when you talk about November and December in the National Football League, those don't tend to be great months for recreational players. I see it happen every year in October. All right. The public, the casual bettors, the recreational players spend a lot of time watching games. And when you're watching games, you're seeing, hey, this team's pretty good. Hey, this team's pretty bad. The pros, the wise guys, spend much of their time looking at the stats for those games as opposed to watching them. It's all about statistical profiles. And sometimes, particularly in October, the recreational bettors looking at the teams that they're seeing on TV every week and the pro bettors who are looking at statistical-based formulas and or still considering preseason expectations into their equation happens every year in October. You know, the bettors, the casual bettors, the recreational bettors will have a good weekend or two or three like they have. But, again, that just happened. <laughs> so where are we at now? Moving forward, you don't expect that. You know, over the course of the rest of the year, what are we now? This is week eight in the NFL, I think. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's week eight uh, in the National Football League. And when you're talking about from week eight through week 18, there is that extra week this year, there's an extra game uh, this year for the first time. I'm not convinced we're going to see that same level of success from the recreational betters because as the season progresses, the stats do get better and strength of schedule gets clearer. And you have an idea, hey, this team just beat a bunch of patsies and now they're stepping up. Maybe <laughs> they're not quite what we thought they were. And those decisions are easier to make with more data points as the season progresses. So, yeah, back-to-back, -back, lousy weekends in the National Football League. Am I happy about it? No. Not even a little bit. Am I embarrassed about it? No. Not even a little bit. What's the goal? Make some money this weekend and move forward to the next week. And that means taking the negativity, taking the bad weekends, and be able to stuff them in the rearview mirror and focus on moving forward. Tony Finn coming up next when coverage continues. Don't think of us as just another sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just a jump. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM channel 204. Don't miss anything from our programming. Go to Twitter, follow us at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV to stay informed all day long and get clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else on Twitter at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow our guest today, Tony Finn, on Twitter. At 
Finn at Wager Talk. A-T at Wager Talk, just to make it confusing for me to say. Tony, welcome to the program, <laughs> my friend. How are you? Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, things are, it's a good day. Uh, Teddy, it's always a good day when I wake up at my age, so uh, I'd like to hear you pick me some winners. That's what I'd like uh, to hear. Let's see what we can do. Let's talk about how your NFL season is going. Good year, bad year, mediocre year. I just came on the open and talked about how the last two weeks in the NFL I got my butt kicked. And unfortunately, uh, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I'm not alone. Many books have done poorly in the month of October. Uh, Carnage, two weeks ago. Uh, Last week wasn't good, and the week before that. uh, The week before the Carnage week wasn't good either. So we've seen basically of the four weekends in October, books that cater to recreational betters have lost on three of them. So... My NFL season was going great. You know, September, no complaints, man, better than 60%. That's not the case anymore, unfortunately. How is your NFL season going? My season is very, almost status quo. It's very typical. Right now I'm on a 3-0 run. I'm 19-14, excuse me, since the end of September. So typically, Teddy, this time of year is, is when I'm still... I have a tendency, as, as some of us do, not all of us, but have a tendency sometimes to... Uh, to believe some, you know, my lying eyes. Uh, but about this time of year is when things get usually get really good for me, and I'm pretty consistent, 60, 65 percent, and that kind of brings me up from my typical 50, 58 percent, which is right where I'm at in the first month, month and a half. Sure, you're someone who's got a pretty darn good track record long term uh, in long-term. the NFL. Uh, I do as well. It's been a good sport for me over the years. And I find, yeah. too, I like November NFL. I like December NFL. You have enough stats and enough misplaced public perception to get real good reads on teams and spots. And, you know, there have been more than a handful of years where basically, you know, from the meaning, beginning to middle of November and on, uh, I close out the NFL season on some pretty good uh, streaks. But that's not the case right now. Right now I'm sitting uh, right around the Mendoza line for the full season uh, in the NFL. Plenty so of time. Thrilled Plenty of time. With how it's going. But exactly, we're in week eight of an 18-week campaign. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tony, yeah. and I want to start with this. I want to talk about surprise teams, positive and negative. Let's start with this. Which team or teams have surprised you to the positive side in the National Football League this year? Teams you didn't expect to be good that are good, or teams you thought were going to be real bad but turned out to be mediocre? Biggest surprise teams, positive early on. Positive. I guess, just first off, it's completely transparent. I guess uh, it's fairly subjective, but we can stick with teams like, right now I'm surprised, I'm really surprised, after the injury that Joe Burrow had last year uh, midseason, let's call it midseason, I don't know the exact date, but for the most part, he's still in his rookie campaign. Uh, 17 starts, I think, is what he has in the NFL, 17 games into his NFL career. Um, and what Cincinnati's done not only on the field, front office-wise, in the offseason, a 5-2 and two start um, against, a, I think, a fairly decent schedule, especially the last one. Uh, I wrote, Teddy, that it wasn't going to be the end-all, and it was absolutely not uh, you know, a marker necessarily for Baltimore. But Cincinnati going into Baltimore, even at home against Baltimore, regardless that after last year being outscored, I think something 65 to three, 65 to six, whatever the case may be, how he was going to perform uh, against this team, and not necessarily the same team, Teddy, 
but just how he, mentally he was going to do. And, and obviously, I think if you saw the game, we all know what happened. They were impressive. So that would be one of the positives. Uh, the other positive would be um, that I wasn't, po- I wasn't so convinced that Cliff Kingsbury was going to be a good fit in the NFL. Um, and I said, you know, I, I don't want to make any early judgments, but last year was pretty good. And uh, and what he's done, what he's been able to do with with the talent he has, some of the trades they've made, whether they're his trades or the front office trades, uh, they've been positive as well, as long as offseason moves. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, and I'm impressed and somewhat surprised that they're where they're at still, uh, and as we're going into what week eight now. So that said, um, those are the two main surprises. I mean, we could go on and on. I'm, I'm really I'm happy and I'm surprised that the Rams after essentially kind of tearing apart some of their team in several different ways over the last year, three years, Teddy. Um, I, I've always been a fan of golf, although he's fairly pedestrian. I was even a bigger fan of Stafford. And that, you know, that it wasn't really necessarily a lateral move for Stafford, I think, and the Rams. It was an upgrade, and it fit, it fit McVay very, very well. Those would be kind of my three off-the-cuff, uh, off-the-top-of-my-head surprises, pleasant surprises, should I say. Sure. I mean, you know, we talk about the best point spread teams in. Oh, you want point spread? There's only no, no, no. (laughs) I'm just saying. There's only five teams that Mm -hmm. have five point spread covers coming into this weekend: Tennessee, Indy, Green Bay, Arizona, and Dallas. And of that group, I mean, you can't be shocked at Dallas, although you have to be a little bit surprised. I am uh, by the Cowboys because they've had more than their fair share of uh, hype, <laughs> and the roster was talented. Arizona's roster was talented, but the two that I'm the most surprised by uh, out of the best point spread teams has to be Green Bay, who came mm-hmm. into the season with nothing but question marks and lost to New Orleans 38 to three in the open, and an Indy team that looked dead in the water early on, um, a team that was looked to be devoid of offensive playmakers, and they too have found their way back into contention, at least, uh, right. if they can get the win against Tennessee this week. So uh, certainly the Packers and the Colts probably at or near the top of my list. What about the negatives? Which teams have you said surprised you to the downside so far uh, this season? Tony, we got about two minutes before the break. Two minutes. Two minutes real quickly. And I know you would want me to expand on what I'm not going to. The surprise me is how poorly the Jets have shown themselves, even after the trade. Uh, and obviously, I don't think it's going to get better with the injury to the young quarterback. But I, I just expect a little more with the schedule they had from the Jets. Obviously, the Chiefs are a disappointment. It seems to be it's a, it's a it just it's a, almost a, a mirage that a guy can be as good with the football as Mahomes, fall protecting, and then having the things. It may be an aberration. We'll have to see as it goes forward. But the Chiefs as well, probably the two biggest shocks in my in my orbit, yeah. should I say? And it's funny because I looked at the Jets. I bet this Jets season win total under. I you know I bet the Jag season win total under. I'm not surprised at all that those two teams uh, are lousy. My biggest surprise. Look, Kansas City has Super Bowl loser curse on them and back-to-back years where they made the Super Bowl and teams don't go to the Super Bowl three years in a row. It just doesn't happen. Um, really doesn't. Go back and look. So, you know, unless you're the Bills and when you lose them. Uh, but, you know, at KC, I'm not shocked by their point spread failures this year, nor am I shocked by, let's say, a Steelers team. And, again, we're talking about teams with two covers or less on the last weekend of October – 
We're talking about Washington, San Fran, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the mm-hmm. Jags, and the Steelers. So the teams I left off on the teams that were, and really San Fran, I, I honestly feel like San Fran's one of these teams we may we probably haven't seen the best of San Fran yet. They have of all these teams the best chance to turn their season around, uh, perhaps. Right, but it's funny, and I'll, I'll interrupt you real quick. It's funny because I played the under on San Francisco, and I played the under in Miami. So there's see, so the subjective part of this. Uh, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. Really, so. But Miami, to me, is the team that uh, no team's been a bigger disappointment than the Dolphins. They won ten games last year. Everyone expected yeah. them to regress. Okay, but yeah. not regressed by getting outscored by eleven points a game and being as bad as any <laughs> team in football. More with Tony coming up. Cover continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've got extended time today with Tony Finn at Finn at Wager Talk on Twitter. And Tony, we were talking before the break about some of the biggest surprise teams in the NFL this season, positive and negative. And here we are. It's not quite midseason. I guess next week would be week nine, which is the end of week nine. Then an 18-week year is the true midseason. But it's midseason now, okay? How is November NFL different from September and October, how does your handicapping methodology change down the stretch, or does it? Do you do the same thing all year long, and that consistency is what helps you with those big second halves? Because you talked about it, Tony. You put together some big runs over the back half of the campaigns. What are you looking for? It doesn't change a lot, Teddy. And I I think you hit your spot on. It's I've not changed much over the last, oh, since we started, once we... You know, since we did a silent opening of Wager Talk, for instance, eight years now, it's pretty much been the same. Now, the caveat to that might be last year was uh, my worst season, and I did a very poor job of adjusting to some of the some of the changes that COVID created, at least our COVID era, you know. And I'm still trying to figure out some of that stuff. Has it changed? Do we keep it changed? But my, my philosophy is always trying to find value, not necessarily line value. You know, we could talk about opening line value and those things at a different time. But my philosophy is this, and that is stay consistent. Uh, you know, you, there's, a, there's teams, good teams. You play good teams. And there's a time to play teams that aren't good or, or, or they're being undervalued. But for the most part, it's rare you're going to see me play a Miami unless I'm fading a Miami right now. Um, it would have to be something extraordinary for me to dive in uh, on a team that you can't put your arms around. You never know what you're going to get. November, December, not much changes for me other than I I have more information. I feel that's why I get a little bit better. And, and wh- while other people are trying to uh, search for that surprise team that might uh, wake up that hadn't woke up, or maybe they're still chasing chasing a team that's been a disappointment, Teddy, that isn't going to change. The one thing that that I was taught, and the one thing I always take the heart and I always do this, is that when you get to about week 12, week 11, week 12, and this year we'll, we'll make a little adjustment since there's an extra week or two, obviously. But the, the thing is this, is teams don't, 
stay the same. They don't stay the same, Teddy. A team either at that point in time, teams are either trying to get better or they're getting worse. And we could go into the reasons why I think they're getting better, whether they're getting worse. But no, that's the same team moving 12. No, this team is either going to play better, they're going to try harder, or they're not going to try at all, or they've gotten worse for many, many reasons, if that makes sense. Um, no, but I'll keep asking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you this then. Uh-huh. Okay. At this time of year, one of the things I love about the NFL betting markets in right. September and into October. They overreact to everything. Every right. time a team wins, it's the biggest win ever. And if you pull up an upset, oh, now you're going to the Super Bowl. And every time a competitive team loses or a team that's supposed to be good loses, oh, my God, the bottom is dropping out. Should they make a quarterback change? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we often see a lot of overreactions in the NFL early in the campaign. And as a better, you can take advantage of those overreactions. Yes. Yeah. What about this time of the year? As you get in November, do the betting markets overreact or underreact? Or do you think it's appropriate on a week-in, week-out basis? Let me just give you an, a, a theoretical example for this week. Let's say the Saints beat the Bucks on Sunday. And again, this is I'm not picking the Saints over the Bucks, But let's just say the Saints beat the Bucks. Right now, I have Tampa as my highest power-rated team in the NFL. If the Saints beat the Bucks on Saturday, on Sunday... I'm still going to have Tampa Bay likely as my highest power-rated team in the NFL. So I don't make the adjustments that I would have perhaps earlier in the campaign. Do the betting markets do that at this time of year? Is it overreaction time? Is it underreaction time? Uh, Talk to me about that when it comes to NFL handicapping mid-season. I would like to tell you that it's the same every year, the same for me, or I feel the same about their question, the query you're you're presenting to me, but it's not. Sometimes it changes, but for, you know, I'm a little old school, as you described, as far as overreactions go, and a lot of times I do the best I can to, to mask and to put blinkers on and be blind to my own feelings about what I hear, what we read, what I've thought I've seen, again, what my lying eyes are telling me I've seen. But I use pretty, I use metrics an awful lot uh, when some people might say, you know, to just uh, maybe a trip handicapper. And I do some trip handicapping where, you know, your handicap part is what you see and what you know. And you've been doing this a long time, Teddy. A lot of times when people tell you that, that stats don't lie, it's just not the truth. Stats do lie. There's a lot of times that they lie, and you can't overcome those things if you're savvy. If you're, you know, if you can pick up and watch a game, a tape of a game, which we know this day and age you can condense to 20 minutes, the whole game. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of tools we have at our disposal. But overreacting, it happens, Teddy. It happens. I think it happens from week one to week two. I think it happens from week seven to week. Eight. I think it happens all season long. The overreaction and why is there an overreaction? And what do we you and I do to overcome those overreactions? Well, I don't have to do a lot. I don't think you do either. Power rankings help. And you make perfect sense. If the Saints beat the Tampa Bay Pucks this weekend, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if Breeze was there, it definitely wouldn't surprise me. But this team and the way Peyton has handled this team uh, and the way he's limiting Winston as far as what he's able to do or, or where his receivers are going, terrific stuff. Wouldn't surprise me one bit, and I would still feel the same way you do. Tampa Bay would still be at the top. Uh, well, yeah, so a, a lot of times, especially this time of year, I want the A-level teams off a loss every time. That's right. Yes. Okay, yes. and Tampa off of it, like I said, well, 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 not just because I think Tampa would be 
uh, would still would still be the best team even if they lost to New Orleans. Remember, they lost to New Orleans twice last year, uh, both right. regular season meetings. They ended up uh, beating them in the playoffs and then winning the Super Bowl. But it's 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 less about that conceptually, Tony, uh, than it yep. is about the concept of I want good teams off a bad effort even more down the stretch. And yep. by November, you're not wondering is this team a good team or not. You know, you have a pretty good idea yep. if they're a good team. Whereas in September, somebody, oh, I want a good team off a loss. Oops, they weren't a good team, and that <laughs> I, can be a problem. Now we we talk about the underreaction, overreaction. To me. There's one game this week that stands out, underreact, overreact, and it's a bizarre game to talk about. Philly versus Detroit. The right. Eagles as three, three-and-a-half-point road favorites in the Motor City. And if right. you watch these two teams last week, mm-hmm. that was the worst I saw Philly play all year. It wasn't close. All right, they haven't looked that bad all year. The Lions played competitive football. You know, they're up yeah. for the Matt Stafford game. Of course they were. They play competitive football against a good opponent in L.A. Mm -hmm. So the markets are looking at that and saying, yeah, the Lions aren't that good and the Eagles aren't that bad, and that's why Philly's laying three, three and a half on the road. I haven't found a better that's willing to lay with the Eagles in this game. Not one. (laughs) Not not anyone I've talked to. Not pros, not Joes. Talk to me about this matchup in particular, if you would. Give me just a, a you know thirty seconds or a minute on the Lions and the Eagles, and if that falls into your overreaction versus underreaction. Uh, it, I uh, it doesn't fall into that category with me, but I couldn't agree more with you uh, about even in the last we talked about it a little bit in the last segment. What you describe and what you do with teams, you know, good teams off of bad performance. We know those teams are good teams, and they're trying to win. They're getting better, or they're at peaks. Uh, in this game, for instance. I like golf. I said that earlier that I like golf. I like the way he plays football. I like managers, quarterbacks who manage games. I really do. For a point spread, uh, people like us, it's important. We know what we're going to get. Uh, I like the coach at Detroit. I'm not a big fan of Peterson in Philly. I'm not a big fan of what they've done off season, trade-wise. None of it. But I've seen them play as bad as they were last week. Teddy, this is a team that's capable. They're, they're, these guys are professionals. There's a reason why the, uh, I think parity this year is terrific. It's good for football, uh, and it, I think it's good for us. But in this game, um, Detroit's done some wonderful things. You think about their loss to the 49ers in week one. I think it was 41-33 or something like that. But they were competitive. The Packers, no, they, they weren't. You the, remember that game. They were down by five scores, and they came, They recovered an onside. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, I jumped the gun. They, the, yeah. end, the score is, is not indicative of – the final score is not indicative of the game. Now, they came back to the Packers and were very competitive. Listen, they led 14 nothing and half, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. And that's kind of when the Packers and Aaron Rodgers uh, rebounded from, which was a, a, a terminal – it was really a, a horrible offseason for Rodgers and what happened and all that. You, you couldn't possibly expect – more that you could expect it more, but I think what happened was what reality is, and what you get with these NFL guys, and how important routine is to them. Uh, the, the Detroit with the Ravens. I mean, in truth, the Ravens where they're at. I mean, I think they they could be three games worse if it wasn't for a 66-yard field goal. Detroit could have had a win there. Uh, the Bears game, I think they lost by double digits by ten. The Vikings, they could have won. The Bengals game maybe was the one game Detroit I thought other than game one where they weren't very good. And the Rams, Teddy. I couldn't agree with you more. Last week, I thought one of my favorite plays was this Rams and this Detroit team are game over the total. 
And at halftime, I was a winner. I knew I was a winner. I didn't pay any attention. And things changed a little bit where uh, in the last 10 minutes of that game, uh, circumstances turned against me seriously, and I knew at that point in time I was not going to be a winner. But, but yes, uh, I, I listen. I wouldn't argue with anyone if they came to me and, and gave me gave me reasons why they were going to play Philly. And the same goes for those who were going to play Detroit in this game. I'm still I'll take the, I'll take Detroit, the home team, and the points in this situation alone. Nothing more than simply metrics and what the NFL is and who these teams can be or have been. If that makes sense to. Sure. So then you're not uh, saying that the Philly is the overvalued commodity here in Detroit. The I don't think so. I, well, I'd say Detroit's oh, the undervalued, but but not, it's not so exaggerated that it surprised me, should I say. More with Tony Finn after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Work. We're in the home stretch here with Tony Finn on Cover It with Teddy Covers here, Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And Tony, we're talking deep dive into NFL today. And I want to talk about stats because I spent a lot of time in college football. I'm like, you cannot beat college football using stats. And the guys that try to beat stats with college football, it's not the way I handicap. In the NFL, I absolutely use stats as a piece of the equation. So I want to ask you, A, do you use stats in your NFL handicapping? And B, if yes, what stats do you use? Yes is the answer. I do use metrics in the NFL. Uh, in fact, I, I maybe people would might tell you that I use too many stats or I and get too caught up in numbers, which I would I would respectfully disagree with, but important stats in the NFL, um, possessions, yard per play. There's there's a, a I have a long list, and and none of them is so more important on top than they are on the bottom because each game brings a different outline. It brings a different perspective, and uh, and it creates a different equation for me. Not that I have them all written out in a nice little form and outline so you can write a book about it, but I think you know what I mean. But most important stats, the most important stats for me are uh, is, is this, and that is, and it may sound strange, but I'm, I'm big, very big on defensive, in the trenches, and those stats, and offensive lines, defensive lines. But maybe most important for me is how a quarterback performs under pressure and what, who, they're, who they're facing. Are they, face, are they facing a team that pressures the quarterback a lot? And there's, I'll tell you, a, a guy can get lost in, uh, well, this team doesn't sack the quarterback very often. It's pretty irrelevant to me. The sacks are not near as relevant as pressures. And are they taking a quarterback? Are they taking Tom Brady off his X? Because uh, I think we both know if we can get Brady outside the pocket on the run, that his, 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 probability of completing a pass dropped considerably. The, the opposite is for quarterbacks like Mahomes, maybe, who is good, sometimes even better outside the pocket. But the most important stat for me is offensive line, defensive line, how they match up. And I, and I break that down metrically, and we don't have time to go through the thing, but uh, to give you an example, I just did. And that is 
how does the defensive line scheme and how do they pressure a quarterback and how important is that in, in this particular game? In, in the age of video NFL, it's pretty darn important to me. And, and it makes a big difference on how I handicap a game and who I like. I'm going to talk about the stats that I look at, you know, and you okay, talk like about your... the one the, of all the metrics for the mm-hmm. NFL yards per play Correct. allowed on off or large yards per play gain on offense versus allowed on defense and net yards per play. And the mm-hmm. good teams are going to have the positive net yards per play and the bad teams are going to have the negative yet net, net yards per play. And sometimes you'll find some surprises in there. And those may be bet on or bet against teams, depending on where they're at. But yards per play for, yards per play against, and the net differential. I look for rushing yards per play versus rushing yards per play allowed. Note, the stats you see on the NFL broadcast, they say this is the number one rushing team or this is the number 31 (laughs) team against the run. Those are all aggregate stats. If you give 171 game per game on the ground, you're going to have the worst run defense. That's not the stat that's meaningful. The stat is yards per rush, yards per rush against, and the net differential between the two. I don't always look at yards per pass. I like to look at QB rating and opposing QB rating. And the two, maybe the two most important stats of all, net turnovers and opposing strength of schedule. You don't find those unless you look for them. But net turnovers, again, is a team supposed to be there? There are teams that you look at. They have a rookie quarterback. They have a defense that doesn't create a whole lot of turnovers. You expect these teams to have negative turnover margins. On the other hand, in the side of the equation, you have a defense that forces turnovers and a good quarterback. You expect those teams to be on the positive side of the turnover equation. And when you find those outliers, teams that are supposed to be good, but they've been bad, Teams are supposed to be bad, net turnovers, but they're good. Those are teams that I tend to look to bet the opposite way as the season progresses. So that's just some of how I use statistical profiles. And, of course, strength of schedule. I mean, is there something more important that gets less attention? Um, because we talk about the markets overreacting, Tony. They overreact yep. whoever. I mean, think about uh, if you want to talk about strength of schedule, look no further than Carolina and Denver. Two teams that faced three weaklings, both of them, to open the season and went 3-0. and Excuse Carolina had uh, New Orleans in between, but it was a terrible spot for the Saints. Uh, they played two weaklings and, and, and the Saints, and Denver had three. Or they had the Giants, the Jets, and the Jags. And they, go th- they both go 3-0, and and neither one's won a game since. Strength of I, schedule matters for this. I, agree or disagree? I could not. Uh, let me tell you something. I want to compliment you on people that listen to Teddy. Because everything you said is spot on. And your strength of scheduling, it's the one thing I do use in college more than maybe anything. And that is, it's important, uh, strength of scheduling. And they don't word, I don't word it that way, but it's essentially the same thing. And while it's hard sometimes and very difficult sometimes to gauge and to put numbers on, uh, there's ways you can do that and you can use some reliable uh, sources that are everywhere on the Internet if you know which ones they are. But I agree with you. It's a good work on that. Absolutely. Why don't you give, give, give them a reliable source? Because I don't know that they know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reliable sources uh, uh, that uh, give them one for injuries. Number one, oh, uh, well, the most reliable source I use. Um, how about uh, how about uh, <laughs> now? You, the names of, I have them all clicked off here. Uh, actually, <laughs> ESPN, Teddy, ESPN. Surprisingly, people say, nah, ESPN is a horrible job. There's some metrics that ESPN do on strength and scheduling, and you can go there and search it out and look it up. 
especially in college, that are fantastic. They've helped me tremendously. I never would have imagined they would have helped me like they have. Um, and I know it's a, it's a common side, pop side, generic people think to a degree, but, but they do some things, ESPN and NFL.com, uh, you know, the advanced metrics that they have are outstanding. So let's talk some quarterbacks here. Okay. All right. Uh, there's a number of QB and there will continue to be uh, QB changes around the league. Uh, how much do you adjust right now? Let's uh, just run through some of them. Case Keenum versus Baker Mayfield. A big adjustment there. Little adjustment there. What do you do with Cleveland with Baker Hurt? Well, I, you know, I do a big adjustment. I, and some people say that's wrong to do. And I think the last, the last game may be evidence that they're correct and I'm wrong. But I, but Baker Mayfield brings intangibles to the field that I would that people would disagree with me on, maybe. And there's something that metrics don't measure. Uh, you can measure it long term. You can measure it by certain plays and certain times in a game. But but I would make a big adjustment without without Baker Mayfield. This team is not the same team, Cleveland. And we could talk on hours about how how much how good I feel about where Cleveland's going. So the one thing that uh, I would disagree there is just that mm-hmm. because Case Keenum has worked in Kevin Stefanski's system yes. in years past, I think mm-hmm. he is a much better than average backup quarterback for Cleveland. So I do not make a huge drop-off between okay. Baker and Keenum. What about Trey Lance versus Jimmy G in San Fran? Jimmy G going this week for the 49ers. Well, I, I think it's a I think it's very similar to what you just said in the first one. Except for Trey Lance doesn't have any experience. And to throw him to the wolves, I mean, if you want to look if if look at the rookie quarterbacks and what they've done this year, uh, maybe compared to last few years, I think you could I think I'm can accurate to say that they've been a pretty disappointment. They've been very, very disappointing. That said, um I'm a fan of Jimmy G's. I think Shanahan's the one that's overvalued in that system in my opinion, and that this is a guy that had maybe the biggest Super Bowl meltdown in the history when all you had to do was be running the football uh, in that game against New England, and we could talk about that too as well. And they did. Let's, it, now, it, let's it never bring that game up again. Okay? <laughs> it befuddles me, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. good memory. Thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's part of that Shanahan and the coaching, and I put a lot of value on coaching. You meant We didn't mention it. Late in seasons, listen, I am going to trust a guy who's had history in late season success history and on the opposite and the post side, those who haven't. And I don't trust Shanahan as far as I can throw him. And I'm certain I can't throw him very far at my age. So um, Jimmy G starting is a plus over, over uh, any rookie, especially the rookie that has what, maybe a uh, hundred minutes of NFL action. under Sure. And of course, let's not forget, you're talking about a rookie who didn't play D1 ball. That's and correct. a rookie who the offense wasn't designed for. It's not like Jimmy G and Trey Lance have the same skill set. I'm with you at there being a significant drop-off. All that being said, when I see Trey Lance on the field, I'm scared to bet against that guy. His yes. ability to elude pressure <laughs> has been yeah. dicey. What about Geno? Geno Smith's a guy I love to bet against, and yet all the Seahawks have done since he took over is to cover point spreads. Uh, yeah. I literally, I spent the last decade. When Geno's in, I bet against him. Um, huge drop-off from Geno to Russell Wilson, and yet... It's Seattle's been the bet on team since Geno took over. Well, uh, everything you said is absolutely spot on. It's correct. Uh, I, we both have watched Geno when he played for the Giants and when he left the Giants and who he was then. I don't think he's much different. I, I, I'm another Pete. I'm a Pete Carroll fan, Teddy. Big Pete Carroll fan. And while he's stubborn, and if it was up to him, he'd still run 
suit and body left, suit and body right. He'd run the ball as much as he could. He understands. Last year, I think they made a big change, Teddy, when they threw the ball over and over. I think he realizes, listen, my defense is not very good. I've got to get a lead. Gino, the, 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 I wrote a write-up against this last, was his last game on Monday night when Gino was the quarterback and they were going to face the Saints and who the Saints were in this game. And I said, listen, the right play in this side is without doubt, it, it, it's the it's it's the Saints. Um, however, look at the total, look at the weather, look at the conditions. I felt like four points, four and a half, five was too much and a game that I figured would be close. I don't think there's any argument. We, if we were to break that down, our gut would tell us that the Saints not only won that game, it was, in, in truth, it should have been, it probably could have been more, and decisively they could have won that. I never felt like Seattle could. Geno is a huge drop-off. Huge yeah. drop-off of from Russell. The other two QBs, uh, we're not going to have time to break them down, but Zach Wilson uh, versus Mike yeah. White for the Jets. The markets made a significant adjustment there, even though Wilson just a rookie. And Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor versus David Mill- Davis Mills in Houston. Um, mm-hmm. Davis Mills better than I expected him to be, that said. There will be a significant upgrade once Taylor takes back over. Tony, yes, we got less than ninety seconds left, and you have to give a free play and a promo. Go to town, my friend. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst thing is free plays and promos because I'm not one that pats myself uh, on the back much. But but here we go. We're gonna we're gonna spit one out. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to a game that you mentioned. I'm not gonna get too heavily into it and why I think it. But uh, I, it's the Colts, and uh, what we have is a Tennessee team in Indianapolis. Um, in a game that's essentially a pick I think right now you can probably get a two or one and a half or a two wherever you look in line shopping. And Tennessee coming off a monster game uh, against the Chiefs. This it's may be the lo- standpoint. It stands out like that's, a sore thumb that's in favor correct. of Indy here with the Titans coming off those two huge wins. Absolutely. No so Indy minus the yeah. points is Tony's exactly. free play for there you go. today. Tony, where can folks find you? You can find me at WagerTalk. You can find me at wagertalk.com. You can find me at wagertalk.com. I am solely a wager talk guy. I have been for eight years, no one else. And in truth, Teddy, um, they can find you at wagertalk.com as well. But wagertalk.com, football, basketball, and baseball are all I cover, uh, Mr. Covers. I don't cover them as well as you, but, but, but I'm proud of what I do. And you can find them on Twitter at at. <laughs> Wager Talk. Tony, thanks so much, buddy. We'll have you on again. Best of luck this week. I love talking football. Love talking football with you. Uh, Good luck this weekend, my friend. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. I want to thank Tony Finn for joining me today. I want to make sure that you guys get a solid, bettable opinion before this show is through for NFL for today. And that opinion, my friends, is going to be in favor of the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to bet against the Chicago Bears. And look, I know the Bears got blown out last week and it was ugly. In Tampa. And generally, 
teams that get blown out one week tend to be, you know, you get slapped around once, you come back and fight the next week. I get it. Conceptually, it's something that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> However, <laughs> when you're talking about a team like Chicago, that A, is starting a rookie quarterback behind a banged-up offensive line, a team that basically is going to struggle to move the football. And that hasn't changed all year. And when you look at how they match up against San Francisco, all right, for Chicago to be successful, they have to run the football. Justin Fields isn't going to be able to drop back 60 times in a game and guide this offense up and down the field. If they don't run, they don't win. And you know what the 49ers are going to do and what they've done well all year? Stack in the box and stuff in the run. So Chicago's going to have to throw the football to win this game. And I've yet to see Justin Fields throw the football effectively over the course of 60 minutes. He's had moments of success, but not extended moments. Jimmy G should be good to go for San Fran this week. They're coming off really tough back-to-back losses, obviously. Uh, what we saw uh, in the quagmire <laughs> uh, against Indy uh, this past weekend. And prior to their bye, that weird game against Arizona in which they outplayed the Cardinals for extended stretches of that contest, but just couldn't put the biscuit in the basket. So it's a couple of luff- cuff losses for San Fran. This is a fight-for-your-season kind of a game for the 49ers. I expect them to play like it. I really do. And we don't love the West Coast teams traveling east for the start games, but Shanahan's teams have done fairly well with that over the years. Let's go with San Fran, minus the four. And if you shop around, you can even find better. There's your free winner. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Sports news you can use. No filler. Just killer information and expert analysis to make you a winner as easy as possible. It's almost unfair when you think about it. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.